Welcome to Gonzaga Nation SI, your two hosts, Dan Dickow, Adam Morrison. First off, we want to thank our sponsors today. This week's episodes, you got to go check out from Dry Fly Distillery, their Huckleberry Hard Seltzer with the spring here, the summer right around the corner. Check them out. You can get them at their tasting room. You can get them at Yolks. You can get them at Rose Hours. I believe Fred Meyer in Spokane has them as well. So thank you for them for being our sponsor for our this week. Well, Mo, I think this is our last week where you and I have show. Um, we thought we were going to have an extra one because Gonzaga was going to be in a Final Four. It looked to be the case because they lost in the Sweet 16 to Arkansas. So great to have you back for our final week of shows. Um, let's just jump it. What the heck happened in San Francisco? Uh, I think we just, uh, you know, had a bad time to have a bad night. Uh, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. I thought Arkansas did a good job of coming back from that eight, eight, uh, eight point deficit there in the first half and then to eventually taking the lead. Um, we just couldn't get any rhythm. Um, Chet being in foul trouble was an issue as well uh, later in the game. So it was a combination of things, but I thought Arkansas's plan was good as well. It wasn't just us. Um, so, yeah, it was unfortunate. Yeah, Eric Musselman, I thought, um, really had his guys ready to play. Gonzaga came out with a, a nice start, but they couldn't quite get over the hump to get it out of kind of a, you know, striking distance. So then Arkansas makes the big plays. Um, what, what was it maybe that you saw game plan wise that Eric Musselman did that got, gave Gonzaga problems? Well, I think he just ran, uh, kind of did what he's done all year is played gritty defense, uh, you know, give it to Note a lot, let him kind of operate in, in ball screens uh, at any part of the floor and then play off of that. Um, and then defensively, he just did a good job of kind of taking away our perimeter guys, um, you know, especially Nimhard had a, uh, you know, a great season, great career, but just couldn't hit that 14 foot, eight foot jump shot. Um, and that was kind of a design deal where, hey, let's take away his threes, let's take away him at the rim, let's see if he can make, um, you know, some, I guess, effective field goal percentage, lower percentage shots, um, which he's made this season and you just didn't um, have it that night. So I think his game plan, Musselman's game plan was good. Um, as a whole, like I said, he took away most of our perimeter guys. Timmy had a decent game, um, put up numbers, but it wasn't anything that was overwhelming from a standpoint, for an, from an Arkansas standpoint. So um, I thought Eric uh, did a good job of game planning. Yeah, I thought when... I, I went to the game. I went down and back on Thursday. Um, I didn't have, obviously, courtside seats like you had this time. I was up high. Um, but what I saw from, from where I was sitting was their pick-and-roll coverage. They were in that drop coverage, that center field coverage. And they just chased Nemhart from behind. Mm -hmm. And you have to be extremely decisive early in that decision-making process in pick-and-roll. Shoot it or quickly move it to the next guy. And they kind of – did it just enough where it kind of created some uncertainty with, with Nemhart. Am I right in what I saw from up high? Yeah, no, I think the, the center field and over is a, is a, a ball screen coverage, especially if you don't help from the weak side and understand it, because you're going to take away the role. So they were trying to take away the role and then meet Drew early, you know, for a swivel and a dump down. So um, I thought it was a good, uh, good plan. Like I said, we've seen Andrew make that shot and Rashir make that shot and Nolan make that shot all season long. So, I mean, if it if it goes in, then it looks like a bad plan, I think. But uh, as a whole, 
you take away the, like I said, the, the roll or the dives, you take away that uh, having the ability to tag the roller from the weak side so you can stay out on shooters. And then you take away, all right, if he does roll, you're big. You can meet him up early, which is usually Drew, and you can push him off the block to spots that he's not as comfortable with. So, you know, it was a good plan. And like I said, um, you know, sometimes our guys make those shots and they just didn't. It was unfortunate. Yeah, and more times than not this season, they've made those shots and they've made quick decisions to be able to allow their teammates to catch in rhythm and knock those down. But uh, I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Arkansas's defense on the perimeter. They really climbed up in uh, and made life difficult. Um, the, the critics are going to come out it again, just like they did against Baylor last year, that physical uh, kind of bully ball defense on the perimeter uh, gives Gonzaga problems. I don't want to buy into that because I think I've always felt that skill and, and speed can overcome strength. Um, what would your take be on that? Uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, we've been the number one team efficient, uh, offensive efficiency in the last two years. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've gone to seven straight sweet 16s and we can go down the line. I don't think that, uh, it wasn't really a physical game in a sense that Arkansas, um, was fouling. It's just, we didn't make enough shots and there was times when, um, we got really good looks. I mean, you know, this expression from the NBA was true in college, especially at the higher level. When you get to extreme games, it's a make or miss league. It's the same thing. Like you can run all your actions, um, get open looks. And if they don't go down, then it's, it's, oh, the defense, like, well, you guys just missed shot. Now was Arkansas physical and were they a fantastic team? Absolutely. Um, but if you go back and chart that game, there was a lot of uh, looks that our guys normally make. Um, we just couldn't get in a rhythm. And that's a, a testament to Arkansas. They didn't allow us to get out and, and get those big time runs. The only run we had was early in the first half. And then they closed that gap, like I mentioned. Um, so their game plan of getting back was, was good. And then the ball screen coverage was good as well. But I didn't see something that we couldn't handle physically, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that's just a lazy argument sometimes because the, the data uh, doesn't speak to it, um, especially when you look at our NCAA tournament su uh, success. So, um, yeah, I don't really buy into it. Um, I guess maybe last year with the Baylor game you could, but there were so many other factors as well going into that game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's one of those deals where I understand, I guess, kind of where people are coming from if they're not really uh, deep diving into college basketball and our season and our program. But if you really look into it, it gets, it gets to be a lazy argument. Yeah. It's a, it's a lazy narrative and it's frustrating because uh, for a former player, and I'm sure you get frustrated too, it's because you don't look at the body of work, as you mentioned, seven sweet 16s, anybody would trade places with Gonzaga unless you've won a national title over the last seven years. I mean, that's yeah. the fact of the matter. Um, you mentioned rhythm. Uh, Gonzaga was never able to get in enough rhythm to make shots. And I think Chet, because of the foul problems, uh, he was never able to get into rhythm. He still had a double-double. Um, he still challenged a number of the defensive end. But from my vantage point, there were there were at least maybe three awful calls on Chet. Um, how did that influence maybe his impact on the game? Well, it was huge. I mean, there was um... – yeah, two to three that were questionable um, at best. 
Um, and just not having him on the floor defensively, especially when they started to get rolling, um, was huge. And then, you know, defensive glass, I mean, go down the line, just his ability to bring out, uh, you know, rim protectors away from the basket because his three-point ability on the offensive end, you know, that helps Drew out. Um, so, yeah, hit, not hit, having him on the floor um, obviously was a huge issue. Um, I just don't understand some of the officiating in college basketball as a whole, and that's yeah. not trying to be funny, but it's like, if a guy can't go up and challenge within his cylinder, like they've told you for the last 10 years, and then you call him at this time of the year, it's, it's really tough to, to swallow because it's so frustrating. Um, you know, you see that and then, you know, guys on the perimeter are allowed to put two hands on guys, but then at the rim, you can't touch somebody. It just, it's, it's kind of backwards sometimes. Um, but yeah, not having him on the floor was uh, frustrating. And that's not just the Gonzaga game. You watch other games throughout the, the NCAA tournament so far, and it's just the inconsistency the, is just mind-boggling. Um, there was one other play that um, co- clearly uh, Arkansas stepped out of bounds by a good six inches. Half of his foot was out of bounds. The official staying right there in the corner, and he misses that one. Um, I was sitting up high, as I mentioned. Could you see that? From your vantage point on, on I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't see it from my vantage points, and it was the one where one of the kids made a crazy last second shot, shot yeah. clock three. So it was obviously a, a kind of a momentum changing play, but then obviously I saw it on social afterwards. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but also like, you know, you get to the point, and you understand this, like you don't want to start harping on officials yeah. or blaming that, because then you get into like the kind of the loser mentality, I guess. That's what Coach V would always say, and it's so true. Arkansas played a really good game. We had a really good season. You know, all but one team is going to end their season with a loss, right, in the NCAA tournament. So um, it's unfortunate, but also, you know, that's how the game of basketball is. It's human error sometimes, and you just got to roll with it. How about the atmosphere? Because I've been to Sweet 16s both as a player as well as as a fan and as a media analyst. This was the worst atmosphere I've seen in a Final Four. Now, I didn't stay for the Duke game. I'm sure it got better when Coach K walked out because everybody knows it's his last season. But what was your take on on the atmosphere? Because it the empty, the arena seemed almost empty at times. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, we were the earliest game, so I understand. Um... You know, people not be able to get there, and it's a Thursday, so I guess we got to give people <laughs> credit for going to work. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but yeah, it was a little bit uh, barren at the start, but it usually fills in as the game progresses. Um, so yeah, I mean, the atmosphere in Portland was fantastic, um, but it was a little bit uh, less subdued, and uh, you know, in uh, San Francisco. Awesome. Well, Adam, we've got uh, some more business to tend to. We've got our Northern Quest. Question of the day. The madness is here and bigger than ever at Epic Sports Bar with food and drink specials, prize giveaways, and more all tournament long. Grab your bracket and post up at the best tournament spot in town. Details at northernquest.com. If I don't go to the Final Four, which I still am planning on doing, I might I may just head to Epic because I had some friends that went there. They said the sports bar, the food, the atmosphere, and the TVs were were awesome. So Thank you to them for being a sponsor. And our question comes from Bob Finn in Spokane. And it's NBA draft related. He asks, who's coming back and who's leaving? <laughs> That's no. a pretty loaded question. 
<laughs> yeah. I guess we'll just quickly go over this. We can go in depth on the next episode. Uh, you know, I, I the the big question mark is obviously Drew Chet's gone. Obviously, everybody knew that was a foregone conclusion. Um, I think Andrew is is I think he technically has another year, but he's played college basketball for four, so I think he's gonna. Uh, move on which is totally understandable but other than that um, this is not a knock on any of our guys but there's nobody that's really a pro prospect yet okay so let me just make sure that it, it's it's not a knock but it's just you know some guys got to have full um, complete seasons and what have you so I think the real question mark for me is uh, Drew Timmy and I honestly don't know and if I even if I knew did knew, uh, did know I would let him make that <laughs> announcement <laughs> Um, but I, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, that's something for his family to decide. And, and also like when people ask that, you, you know, right after a season, um, it's always like, I'm not going to tell you right away. It's just something you kind of have to process and let the season kind of decompress. And then, you know, an informative decision. Absolutely. I agree with you. Chet's gone. We all knew it before the start of the season. I would love for him to come back for a second year. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I would agree with the same thing with, with Andrew Nemhart. He does have that year. Would be great to see him come back. I don't think he will. Um, but everybody else, uh, tons of potential, but there's still things to prove to the evaluators at the next level to be worthy of a draft pick. And Drew Timmy, he's the big question mark. I can see it going either way. Um, and we'll break that down a little bit more in our final episode of the season. So for Adam Morrison and myself, Dan Dickow, thanks for listening to Gonzaga Nation SI and to our partners this week, Epic Sports Bar of Northern Quest Casino and Dry Fly, Dry Fly Distillery.